Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I'm really grateful and thankful to see you all here tonight and I'm pleased that uh, you're with us at Ivy because we've only got one more sleep until, oh yes, one more sleep and I'm glad that you're here because it's easy to forget what Christmas is all about. In the middle of all the crowds and all the traffic jams and all of the shopping and all of the food and all of the TV, it's easy to forget and it actually ends up, even with all those things sometimes, feeling a little bit empty because we forget that it's the world's biggest birthday party. We're celebrating the fact that a baby boy was born 2,000 years ago to a poor couple in a place that nobody would ever have heard of, much less remembered if it wasn't for him. It's easy to forget that your birthday is dated as a result of his birthday. Every date that we have a right is connected in some way to Jesus' birth. So I'm really glad that you're here to remember that because so often the problem is that we end up with uh, so many Christmas parties, the very person it's meant to be celebrating doesn't get a mention. But everybody ends up, you know, singing about Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph, whoever, and all those kind of things. It's all brilliant, but it's like, what about Jesus? And the the interesting thing for us is that the reason that we're here is because hidden in the manger is an invitation And we get the same invitation. You get the same invitation that the shepherds were given all those years ago. We're going to look at that because the first invitation, this is astonishing, came to a group of poor shepherds. The night Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem just started like a thousand other nights as far as they were concerned, apart from maybe, isn't that a new star that we can see up in the sky? And where did that one come from? I don't remember that one before. And then suddenly the sky parts and heaven is opened as his angel appears. And then more angels join in too. And they get hand-delivered the very first personal invitation to the biggest VIP party in history. They were invited to meet somebody who would transform not only their lives, but billions of other lives ever since then. And the invitation, actually, your invitation, always comes with an RSVP and the P here stands for pray at the end I'm going to invite you to pray with me and to say yes or no to the invitation the way we like to do it here is actually we want to do it we we stick a hand up and we say yeah I'm in I'm praying that I believe that I want that I'll have some of that and we stick up a hand uh, to be able to do that and if you do that tonight we've got some bags we've got some uh, envelopes that have got uh, a free gospel to help you to be able to read read about it yourself there's a book I've written called Work It Out which will help you funnily enough to work out what it is that Christians believe but more important than that we want to do it because that's a sign that as you're receiving something from God as we just sang before where meek souls will receive him still the dear Christ enters in, that you're saying, yeah, God, I want you in my life. I want you in my life, Jesus, from now on. So the Bible gives us the original Christmas story. I'm going to read it to you. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. I think we've got this on the screen. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, 
Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognise him by this sign. You'll find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing which has happened that the Lord has told us about. That was their RSVP. They responded. They didn't hang about either. It says, they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. If you're new with us at Ivy or you're watching on the, uh, the Facebook Live, we've been going through a series of messages describing different times during the first Christmas when an angel appeared. And the very first thing the angels always would say, if you've been on the series, you're going to know what it is. What do the angels always say? Do not fear. No fear. Fear not. Don't be afraid. An angel appeared to Mary and said, fear not to do what God is calling you to do. Uh, yesterday morning we looked at how an angel appeared to Joseph and said fear not what people think or what people say do what God says and now this angel appears to these shepherds they were washing their flocks by night or whatever they're doing washing their socks or something and says fear not but they do fear it says they were terrified maybe you know the carol fear not said he for mighty dread had seized their troubled minds. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind. Glad tidings, good news of great joy for everyone. That's what it says. Glad tidings of great joy for everyone. We've got a slide that even says that. So, I know that for lots of people, getting ready for uh, Christmas is a scary time. It's something that people um, end up you know, worried about, is it going to be a good Christmas this year? And we can have all kinds of things that, that get us thinking like that. Maybe it doesn't feel like good news of great joy to all people. For some people, as we've heard, it, it feels like it's more stressful than joyful. Some people don't enjoy it, they endure it. They just want to get through it. I've heard people say that. Can't wait till it's all over. Maybe because of pains from the past that you remember. Maybe because of, of stuff that you're going through right now that's difficult. Maybe some people have mighty dread about spending too much or you've already spent too much. Or you're worried about the people that you've got to spend some time with that you managed to avoid all year. Christmas can be fearful, not joyful. What fears would the shepherds face? We need to understand and examine who they were in order to be able to come to an answer to that. But as I've looked into who the shepherds were, and as we examine that tonight, I think that we're going to find that they had a fear that lots of people might have had, and maybe some people here have got. Lots of people in all kinds of cultures all around the world at different times will have had this fear, whether they ascribe to any particular religious viewpoint or whether they say, I don't really even know if there's a God. It's the fear of, where do I stand with God? Because the angels all rocked up like we heard about it and they all started to sing and they all invited them. Great, now you can go to God. You can go and meet with God. But for lots of people, maybe that would make them think, really? I'm not sure I want to go and see. But what, what would happen to me? Where would I stand with God? How do I stand with God? Speaking personally, when I was a child, I was scared to death. 
of God, really, in a way. I kind of was a bit, you know, I wasn't sure there even was one, but I wasn't sure I wanted to meet him. He wasn't, he was an unknown figure, and sometimes the unknown can be scary. And, and, and in some ways, I, I didn't think I'd be good enough, which is silly, because I'd not really done much badness even by then. But I saw it, thought if God did have a naughty list, at least I knew I was putting a few things on there. Where do you stand with God? And if that wasn't bad enough, I'd also heard a prayer somehow. It was taught, I think. Maybe my mum and dad even said it. And it was, it was, the first part was all right, but the second bit really scared me. I don't know if you've ever heard this prayer. In a minute, if you put your hand up, then I'll know, yeah, you, you kind of, you've heard this prayer too. Maybe it was just you know, us. But when it gets to the bit that scared me a bit, just raise your hand when we get to that part so I know you're with me on it. Okay, here's the prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Who knows this prayer? Quite a few people. And the next bit, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Night, night. (laughs) Sweet dreams. I'd be like, if I should what? Before I went, and the Lord wants to take my soul. I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure I want the Lord to take my soul. And then I'd, you know, I'd kind of, so I'd sometimes add on a little prayer of my own. And it would, it, would, it would say this, God, if I die and I can't tell, I do want heaven, I don't want hell. <laughs> and then I'd wake up in the morning and it'd be like, ah, I made it, another night. Great, I've got another day. Thank you. Because I was scared of God because I didn't know God because God was this great unknown until years later I said yes to the RSVP that I found as I read the Bible and in this pack you can get one of these and and you can read it for yourself and when when you read it all the way through it's not just the angel but God keeps on saying don't, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Fear not. Because God wasn't going to come and take my life. He wanted to give me life. That's why he came. The angels knew that Christmas was not about what God wanted to take. It's all about what he wants to give. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. Life with Christ is an endless hope. That's good, isn't it? I didn't even make it up myself, so I can't even take credit for that. I heard it somewhere. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. Life with Christ is is an endless hope. That is what we are invited to receive this Christmas time. An endless hope, a priceless gift. It cost God everything so that we could have it for free. So in a, at the end, when I pray, I'm going to invite you to say yes to that endless hope and to have no fear of doing so because he doesn't want to take your life, but whatever, however messed up you might feel it is, he wants you to offer it to him and he'll take it just as he is and he won't leave it the same. He'll take it and he'll change it and he'll help you and he'll love you and he'll forgive you and he'll give you a fresh start because of Jesus. And if, as I say, that's a first time yes for you or if it's a kind of I've been away but I'm coming back thing. If you put up one of those things, we'd love it just to be able to give you a a free gift of the gospel and some materials from the Bible so you can figure it out. And we also have this thing called the Alpha Course, which we're starting just in the new year. There's details of that in the pack too, so that you can sign up and find out what Christians believe and that can help you decide whether or not you want to believe it too. Because it's good news. It's good news. That's what gospel means. Why did, this, why did they say it was good news? Why did the angels say it was good news? I'll tell you. Because they said a saviour has been born for you, to you. He's Christ the Lord. 
the most famous explanation in the Bible of why Christmas happened, why Jesus came, is found in the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 3, verse 16. Many of you know this verse. The most famous verse in the Bible says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's the reason for Christmas. The reason for Christmas is the love of God. God made you to love you. He loves you so much. He never wants to be without you and you to be without him and, and he loves you so much you can never figure it out alone you, nobody ever went up the top of some mountain and just sort of said um long enough until eventually they figured out who God is and that he would love us enough to become one of us so God himself stepped into what he had made and became a human being theologians call it the incarnation it literally means God in flesh God with meat on to meet us in the flesh somebody said he couldn't become any bigger to impress us so he became small to embrace us he didn't send a prophet he didn't send a politician he came in person to love us so that we can know him to save us for himself now, all this saving stuff, some people are going to say, what do you mean by, by saving? I don't need saving. Why do I need a saviour? When as a police officer, one of the things that they did was they taught you how to save people in various ways. One of them was by, um, you'd, you'd do a, a life-saving course. You'd become a lifeguard. And they always taught you, you can't save anybody who's trying to save themselves. If somebody's still trying to save themselves, you kind of got to leave them to it because otherwise they'll just drag people around them down with them too. You have to wait until they stop struggling and then they can be saved. And what's really interesting to help us answer the question of why we need a saviour is who the angel appeared to. See, this was the time of the Roman Empire. And whenever a VIP family had a baby, they didn't have Facebook to be able to tell everybody on it. They would hire a herald or they would send a herald and the herald would go out from the emperor, from Caesar or whoever to all the VIPs and tell them, especially if it was a firstborn son because that was even more important because the family line would continue. A child is born. Good news, the herald would say. Good news, a child is born. It was a huge deal. So God sends a herald angel to say, hark, listen, good news. But who does God send the herald to? It's really important to think about this. The son of God, we're saying, has just been born on planet Earth. Who would you expect that God would announce that to first? Wouldn't he go to the kings in the palaces? Wouldn't he go to the, the prophets and the priests in the temple? Wouldn't he go to the religious leaders and all those people who know all about it? No, God sends the herald angels to some shepherds in a field outside the city. And because we're used to cute nativity scenes, we think, ah, oh, shepherds, ah, oh, cute, lovely shepherds and lovely sheep, bar, <laughs> sheep. But, but people who read this story, first of all, would say, shepherds, bar, humbug, shepherds, because shepherds were nobodies. They were the lowest. They were despised, they weren't trusted, they were the, the most disrespected people, they were often slaves, they were uneducated, they had no means of advancement. Basically, if you were a shepherd, you were the son of a shepherd, and that was the way it was. No power, no position, no prospects. And according to the religious system of the day, you also had no standing with God, you had no place to stand before God. The religious people did, they thought they did anyway, they knew all the rituals, they knew the rules, they knew the regulations. So then you had to say and sing all the right words in all the right places, so they thought they were good enough 
And they rejected people like shepherds who they believed were not good enough. Scholars believe these shepherds at Bethlehem, one of their jobs would have been to raise the sheep that would have been taken into the temple for the sacrifices in the rituals. But they themselves were not allowed into the temple. They were outside. The rabbis banned them. They, they were not good enough for God, they said, because they didn't know the right rituals. They didn't understand it all. So they would feel unworthy and inadequate and unloved. And can you picture anybody in our society like that? I bet homeless people sometimes know what that feels like. Remember ages ago, I was, I was walking along and I was in Manchester and I saw a guy who was just sitting there with his dog and, and ended up ch- chatting to him and, ended, and after a bit he said, oh, sit down. So I sat down with him on his bit of cardboard and people coming past and to be honest with you, I was a bit, dressed a bit scruffy at the time and then somebody came along and put some money in right in front of me and I was like, oh, you better have that. <laughs> but it felt like an identification thing. It was like I was with him and it was a bit awkward to be identified but that's what God did he fully identified with with broken and poor people and came to be one of them to be with them because I look at the people in Kenya and I think about those orphans and I've seen them and, and there's something inside of me wants to save people like that just a little bit of maybe God put inside there. And there's, sometimes I'll see a homeless person. I think somebody should do something. We, we should save people like that. Well, if I'm so imperfect, and I definitely am, how much more does God, who the Bible says is love, want to save people, save his children? Whatever anybody else thinks about them, what everybody else says about them, because that's why I think the angels came to them, not last, but first. The Bible says the first shall be last. And the last shall be first. So even though they were unworthy, that's how they would have felt because they were nomads. They would have been declared ceremonial unclean because of the hours they kept, because of the company they kept, because sheep were like these smelly animals. And in those days, if you touched somebody who was unclean, it made you unclean. Nobody wanted to touch a shepherd. They thought the badness would rub off. And they didn't just feel unworthy. They felt inadequate because they didn't know about all the theology. They didn't know about all the rules and the systems and the regulations and the rituals of what you had to do in the temple. And, and, and also, they, 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 one thing they did know was you had to keep the Sabbath. You had to. You had the day of rest. You had to do that or you broke the law. But they couldn't have a day, a day off like that because the, the sheep needed looking after 24-7. So they are inadequate unworthy and finally unloved people kept a distance from them they had this reputation as being thieved they weren't allowed even to be witnesses they were distrusted nobody would listen to the word of a shepherd and no father would want his daughter to marry a shepherd so they were lonely and not trusted and the most amazing thing for me is that they become the first witnesses when the king of kings is born so the fact is religion didn't work for the shepherds and it doesn't work for us. And you might think, what do you mean? We're in church and you're like some kind of minister person and you're saying religion doesn't work. Yep, because Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to offer a relationship with God as our heavenly father. Because religion doesn't save us. Religion has no power to be able to save us from sin. 
None of us, what is sin? None of us ever had to be taught how to be proud or self-centered. If people were naturally unselfish, we'd never have any conflict. We'd never have any greed. We'd never have any crime. We'd just get better by ourselves. We'd never have gossip. We'd never have wars. We'd, we'd just sort ourselves out. But guess what? We don't. We can't. And those are some of the things that the Bible would put as sins, but actually sin isn't just actions that you do. Sin is not robbing a bank. Sin is robbing God of being God and saying, I want to be God instead. I want to be in charge. That's the bad news. Sin is universal. Sin is fatal. We've all got it. There are emotions that you don't want to feel. There are insecurities and fears that you can't hide. There are habits that you can't break. There are regrets. There are resentments that you don't want to feel. What causes these things? I do. I don't mean me, necessarily. I mean I. The middle letter of sin is? Good spelling. I. When I put, my, put I at the centre of my life, I sin. Sin is an I problem. I suffer from it. Whether we can see it or not, we all suffer from this I problem. And we can see it in others way more easily than we can ever see it in ourselves. And we can't save ourselves. And I can't save you. Because I'm a sinner too. Sin separates us from one another. Sin separates us from God, the Bible says. Trying harder Promising to be better, being religious, doing the stuff, doesn't deal with it. That's why we need a saviour. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come all the way from heaven just to give us some system to try and be better ourselves. He came to save us from our sins. He came to save us from ourselves. He came to save us for himself. So where do I stand with God? Where do you stand with God? I stand in need of a saviour. Who can save us? Not the government, not business, not education. These things can help with some of the symptoms of what's gone wrong, but only God can change your heart. That's why Jesus came, so that we could be free from sin and shame and guilt. Not just one off, one day, but forever. And we have to stop struggling to save ourselves and say, God, would you save me? Jesus, please save me. And that is good news because Jesus grew up. The baby went from the cradle to the cross. He didn't just stay in the cradle. He went to the cross. He was perfectly fully human and perfectly fully God after 33 birthdays, he stretched out his arms wide to embrace the whole world in his love, including you and me. And he paid the price for every sin that Anthony Delaney has ever committed. Everything that I've ever thought or said or done wrong was placed upon him, upon the cross at that moment. And then he, he died physically and took the punishment for my sins, but then he physically rose from the dead on the third day to defeat death and to open the way for anybody, 
anybody to have life everlasting, a whole new life with his spirit living inside of us. So are you good enough for God? Sorry, no. Am I? No. Nobody is. Otherwise, we wouldn't need him to come and save us. I think the shepherds knew that. I think they came first because they got that. I think that's why they ran to the stable. Because sometimes in this broken world, it's people when we feel unworthy and inadequate and unloved, we're ready for good news. And God sent the angel and said, fear not for a saviour has been born for you. He's for you. He's for you. To bring peace on earth, one life at a time. And it's personal. The invitation has got your name on it and you have to RSVP no matter what you've done. And again, this isn't about, don't tell me what you did five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. There's a story of a, of a, a bishop who was on a, on a, uh, a, on a train and, and somebody, some Pentecostal preacher guy came and sat next to him and he was convinced that no bishops would, were ever going to be proper Christians. So he said to him, Tell me, Bishop, are you saved? And he said, I have been saved and I am saved and I will be saved. That's what salvation is. That's what Jesus did because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And it's not in any point ever about me putting my trust in me. It's about me putting my faith in him. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, the Saviour has been born for you. Jesus is Christ the Lord and he's here for you so where do you stand and whenever I picture the shepherds I don't picture them standing I always think of them kneeling and they're presenting the best that they've got just what they've got in worship kneeling down in front of God's son and just and just giving him their best and I put on a blog today that for me this is like a picture this is the very first church really because the first church was not in some temple building full of gold and glitz and all of the religious people doing it all right and having the, the priests making all of those sacrifices and everybody watching them and, and it wasn't people observing the right rules and regulations and all of that kind of stuff because that didn't work and it didn't save anybody from sin. It was just a shadow that pointed to the real thing. But the shepherds... See, when God sent the herald angels... He didn't come to a bunch of royal dignitaries. He didn't come to a bunch of religious somebodies. God told a bunch of nobodies, go and see somebody who loves everybody. And then they went and told anyone who would listen. That's church. A bunch of nobodies inviting you tonight to meet somebody who changes everybody who says yes. To the RSVP. So let's pray. Just where you are now, wherever you are with, where are you with God? Have you got anything holding you back from Him? If so, we need to clear that up. We need to confess that. Lord, I don't want anything to separate me from your love and I thank you that you have come, Jesus, so that nothing ever has to.
Thank you for the good news. Thank you for your presence tonight. And Lord, we ask that you would bring heaven close to us in this place. Just as you came close to those shepherds, we ask that you would push back our fears and that you would draw close. And as you pray tonight, there are all kinds of things that we can be fearful of in the world right now and even as 2019 gets ready to open up God says do not fear do not be afraid there might be relational fear marriage fear as family gather there could be fears around that or maybe you just feel alone and you're scared of that Jesus says he's come to be God with us might be financial fears or health fears for you or somebody that you love before I do the, the kind of RSVP I want to come back to you maybe there's just something you want to talk to God about in this prayer time right now he's listening and actually if there's anybody who's feeling like a heaviness a concern maybe a fear that you've been carrying let's invite you to put a hand up actually just to give that to God kind of push it up to him and pass it up to him just reach out and give it to him by faith Hand it over, casting all your cares upon him because he, he cares for you. Thank you, Lord. Just some hands going up. This isn't a free book, hand up. This is a just giving it all over to God. Just a moment. Just take it off me, Lord. Things I wasn't meant to carry, things that are too big. And then if you can put those hands down I just want to give that moment a holy moment like those shepherds had the invitation with an RSVP what if it's no accident that you're here because God wanted you to hear that you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be afraid of him you don't have to be afraid of where you stand with God the bad news is you're a sinner we all are it's level ground the good news is you have a saviour he's been born for you Christ the Lord you can never save yourself but he's come to save you, to save us from our sins. If God sent you an angel tonight, it would be to say, fear not. God loves you. The forgiveness has been purchased for you. New life is available for you. So if, that, if you want that, you don't have to understand it all. But if you just say, yeah, that sounds good to me, the greatest gift you could ever have, put a hand up right now. We'll give you one of these packs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just keep your hands up. Great. That's it. Some people are just going to come around and put some packs in your hands. We're going to carry on praying because I think there's more people than that already in this place. Just thanks for being brave enough to stick a hand up and see that. God sees it too. Lord, I thank you for those people who are honestly seeking you and reaching out to you tonight. The shepherds set out to find you and they did and they were glad and they worshipped you because they knew that you are the saviour. And as you keep on praying, anybody else want to put a hand up and just receive one of these packs? But really, you're not just receiving the pack. You're saying, I want, I want God in my life. I want Jesus in my life. Any other hands for that? Maybe from a spiritual perspective, you feel unworthy or inadequate. You don't know it all. You feel unloved. You don't need to because you are loved. It's all wrapped up. All this love is wrapped up in Jesus when you pray.
And God brought you here specifically for this moment. I want to give it 30 more seconds. If you can sense it and you know inside of you or you're even watching on, on the Facebook Live and this is something for you, just tag on it. Yeah, I'm just praying this prayer that we can see that later and we'll pray for you too this Christmas time. The power and the love of Jesus has come to reach you and pull you to himself, not push you away. So you just pray now. In fact, let's all pray this out loud together. Father God, let's say it like we actually want God to hear us. Father God, I need you. I need your love and grace. This Christmas time, thank you for coming to save me. I admit that I've sinned and I need a saviour. By faith, I receive your new life. Thank you that you came to love me, to change me, to save me, to make me brand new. Thank you that you died for me and now you are alive forever. Help me to live for you at Christmas and forever. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to follow you, to know you, to serve you and to tell others about you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.